0: Do so the holy gospel according to saint mark the first chapter and immediately jesus left the synagogue and he entered the house of simon and andrew with james and john now simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever immediately they told him about her he came he took her by the hand and he lifted her up the fever left her And she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons. The whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons. And he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark... He departed, he went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. Simon and those who were with him searched for him, and they found him. They said to him, everyone is looking for you. He said to them, let us go on to the next town, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. He went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues, casting out demons, this is the gospel of the Lord. There was a small town in southern Arizona. This small town decided that it would have a rummage sale/slash auction. The event was to raise money for their community center that was being run down and it needed some big repairs. So the people worked for their couple of weeks. They began to gather stuff. They gathered this impressive collection of their unwanted and not so valuable, not so valuable items for the, the rummage sale. You know, all the stuff that they just want to discard, but they didn't know how they're going to discard it. The clothes that don't fit right and out of style, everything. Well, the unused exercise equipment, that's what they took. But they also made decisions that they would take some things of value to them personally so they could have those for the auction. So the day of the event came, hundreds and hundreds of people had gathered for this rummage sale and auction. By the time the re- auction was going to start, they had already raised thousands of dollars. It was a very successful event for this community. Then came the time for the auction, and they started off with some of the really big prize possessions first. And the auctioneer then came, and um, he found one of the auction items that was on the table, and it was an old fiddle. And the old fiddle that he he took hold of, um, it showed signs of wear, like it was a very old fiddle. There was grime on it. There's oil stains from the hands and the chin on it. There were scratches, dents. It was a questionable quality, um, questionable usability value. The auctioneer holed up that old relic at arm's length, and he said, what am I bid for it? And there was silence. The people saw that fiddle. He said again, What am I bid for it? Finally, someone yelled out, $1. Dollar. And everyone laughed. They laughed for a little bit. And then another one yelled out over the laughter, Buck 50. Laughter over that used-up old fiddle continued, almost ridiculing it. From the back of the room, this space, an old, worn-out, cowboy-looking fella. A few had seen here and there over the years, but no one really knew. He came from the back, and he walked through the middle, and he came to the front. He asked to see the fiddle, and the auctioneer handed it to him. He took that fiddle, and he took that bone in his hands he plucked the strings he made some subtle adjustments then he laid it on his shoulder underneath of his neck with the bow in his hand he began to play the old man and that old fiddle came together like best friends they came to life Twisted old fingers were dancing on the strings. An old bent arm maneuvered that bowstring and it drew out beautiful sounds that filled the room. Lively sounds that inspired smiles. Soothing tones that was touching the hearts. When that old cowboy finished, he laid the fiddle on the table. And he turned around and he began to walk out. He laid it down as if he was saying goodbye to an old friend. The people just watched and wondered in silence. The door closed loudly, broke the silence, and they thought, was he real? What just happened? At that point, the auctioneer took that fiddle. He held it up high in his hand. This time he said, what am I bid? The silence broke again. $300, $400, $500, $800. And so it continued. At first glance, today's gospel lesson might be considered just another old tired story. Where's the shine and the value of that? It might be a story that the world would consider Just boring, of very little value. Nothing shiny, nothing usable in it. But with the Holy Spirit's help, when we're done listening to the message again, maybe it will be a beautiful gem within a priceless story. And we'll see the value. Before we go there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, You gave us Your Son. Lord Jesus looked, could have looked just like any other man maybe lord a an overlooked and underappreciated at best man but heavenly father if it gives you glory let our review of his gospel lesson bring out the beauty of your son's life let the words that i speak give you glory let the response in our lives reflect great appreciation and gratitude that we will value the gift in jesus name amen A 24-hour window of time, small window. I want you to think about that when you think about this Bible lesson. St. Mark's book starts off with this little window in chapter 1. 24 hours, start to finish. This window, however, small it is, is going to give us a glimpse into both who Jesus is and what Jesus is all about. This little window is going to be capturing almost the entire story in just one little chapter, one little 24-hour period of time. The 24 hours begins what we remembered last week. Jesus enters a small town in the morning, local synagogue in Capernaum. And in that place, there were old scriptures. Well, we we don't know if these people were listening to those old scriptures with boredom. Well, like here we go again, another old story, another unrelated thing. Someone I don't I- I identify with. I don't get it. Where's the value in this lesson? They could have been listening to that old story that way. Or they could have been listening to it with delight. But what we do know is that when Jesus picked the scrolls, the, the readings up, the Bible up, when he put them into his hands, when he read their words, it was it as if the word was coming to life purpose and power and life and truth were heard as he spoke from that old writing the people were amazed at his teaching he taught them as one having authority then later just after that in the synagogue during this teaching time an unspirit, unclean spirit shouts out from within a captive man The unclean spirit cries out because he knows that this Jesus of Nazareth is truly the Son of God, the Holy One of God. Jesus tells the demon, be quiet and leave. That's exactly what the demon does. With a powerful word of God and a powerful word of love from God, an enslaved child, an enslaved man is now set free. He is restored to a healing place. He is restored to his right place in this community. And while we don't know what happens next in the synagogue, in this little window of time, what we do know happens after. After the man is set free, Jesus um, moves to a special place. That special place continues this 24-hour window of who Jesus is and what he's about. Jesus moves to a home He goes to the home of Simon and Andrew, and he brings their friends along. In Mark's gospel, a home is a special place. In our lives, home is a special place. Home is a safe place. When you go home, you can feel safe. The world can do whatever to you out here, but when you go home, it can be safe. When you go home, it can be a place of rest at last. The home is a place where there can be some privacy, some seclusion, some intimacy, some honesty. It's a place where you can gather your family. Your house is most joyful when your family comes home and you celebrate meals together. Your home is a beautiful place when your friends come and you share time together and food together. The home is where Jesus goes. Just as there is trouble in the synagogue, the place that's supposed to be beautiful and pure and everything, there was trouble there. In this home, there's trouble, too. Kind of reminds us that in every home, everywhere, there's some level of trouble. My home included. Jesus comes to our home. And as soon as he enters, he's told about the trouble. In this case, it was Simon's mother-in-law. She is sick. She's down. She has fever. Fever for the first century community, that was a very serious symptom. If you fell and busted your arm and you started getting fever, what's the chance of infection going on inside your body? If you had other things going on, illnesses within you, appendix, whatever, gallbladders, stomach problems, heart problems, if there was fever associated with it, flus that couldn't be cured, other illnesses, fever was scary. He goes to her. Pretty cool. He goes to her. He reaches out his hand and he takes hold of hers and he lifts her up. As he does so, the cause of the fever is removed. As he lifts her up, the feelings of the fever, the sensations of the illness and whatever might have been taking her life are removed. Healing is brought to her. Not just healing, but again, she's raised. The symbolism of not being oppressed, but raised up. The illness symbolism now being healed. The world in that moment in a home is experiencing who Jesus is and what he is about. Now, having been healed, and this is real subtle. It's just a few words in this in the lesson. It's a subtle but beautifully important message for us. Now that... Peter's mother-in-law, or Simon's mother-in-law is healed, the very next thing, she begins to serve. She's been healed by the Son of God. She's been restored in a miraculous way. She's been raised up by this man who would love her. And the very next thing, the natural, beautiful thing to do, having been touched by Jesus, is to serve. And that's what she does. From there, it doesn't last very long. This beautiful, tranquil, healing, friendship, fellowship moment in the house, it doesn't last very long at all. As soon as the sun sets, the rules for the Sabbath are over. You can go to work. You can move about. You can do all the things you can do on a Sabbath. And with that, there's like a green light going. Now the com- the community that he's in can do things, and they start to bring their family, their loved ones, their, their children who might be fevered. There's someone that might have broken their arms. Kids fall and break. Old people fall and break. They're bringing the ones that are wounded to Jesus. They're bringing them. The whole town, all of them, it says, are bringing them to this house where Jesus is at. The quiet, tranquil place of this house is now crashed by a mob outside. 24 hours. It's not complete yet. After the sunset, when the Sabbath's over, the, Jesus meets them at the door. They bring him to Jesus, he meets them at the door. And right there, um, there's a beautiful response. Jesus leaves the intimacy and he brings hope. To almost to an entire city as he's standing at this doorway, it's almost like saying, Bring them all. Everybody that you know who, is, who, who could use a touch of healing and hope and a forgiveness in life. Anybody that you know, bring them. If they've never heard the truth, bring them. Bring them all. Come to me. This is who I am. This is what I came to do. You bring them, I'll heal them. I'll set everyone free. And that's what he does until it's night. We don't know how long it goes. At some point, we do know that they went home, they went to bed. They went to sleep. So did the people in the house. We do not know what else happens the rest of the night, but what we do know is that very early in the morning, while it's still dark, while people are sleeping, Jesus now leaves this home, and he goes to a desolate, solitary place. And he goes to pray. Now some think, well, maybe Jesus is wanting to go to this solitary place to pray because he's just tired from the day before. There are some days in your life that you've gone through that day, and you go to bed that night, and you're like tired for a week. I've experienced some of those times that happened in my life was either getting married or funerals. There are some funerals where you're just so exhausted at the end of that, so emotionally done, you're just done. You're done for like for a while. Sometimes at weddings, oh, I, mean, I need a vacation for my, my marriage. I mean, it's just it's overwhelming. So maybe on this event, his first event, his first 24-hour window of time, coming now towards the conclusion of that, maybe he's just tired and he needs to go to pray because he's spent. Maybe. We don't know. Maybe he's preparing for the day to come. If you know you have a big day coming up, it's an important day, it's a big opportunity, big decisions, big things are going to go on, maybe you want to start that day off absolutely with prayer because you want to have all that is, your relationship with God, right before you go to work. We can understand that too. Maybe there's another reason. Maybe he goes off to pray just because he wanted to hang out with Dad. Maybe he just wanted to have communion with his Father in Heaven. Maybe he wanted to enjoy a sunrise communion with his father just him and dad on a hillside watching all those are viable options we're not told which one but what we are told is that the crowds are looking for him and we are told that those people will not see him again as they woke up that day looking back at the day before they're wondering was he real what just happened But he's gone. What we do know is that Simon and his companions find Jesus. To these kingdom insiders, that's how they function in this story at this point, they're insiders, they're rookie disciples, the four of them, they find him. They look and they find. And the conclusion to this 24-hour window of time, this conclusion of this window happens next. Jesus tells them, Let us go somewhere else to the nearby villages so I can preach there also. That is what I came to do. The 24 hour window of who Jesus is and what he's about is set. He came to preach. He came to set them free. He came to bring life and he came to do this for the whole community. Now, in the opening story, an old treasure, a fiddle, was given to help raise some money for a community center. It was ridiculed at first until that old cowboy walked up, took it in his hands, and he began to play. And as he did so, the man and the fiddle came together. They came to life. Beautiful, lively, soothing tones filled the air and somehow another touched their hearts. When it was finished, he laid it down as if he said goodbye and he walked. And that fiddle went from being worthless to invaluable. It went from being a joke, buck fifty, to worth hundreds of thousands. I can imagine the people in Capernaum In a similar way. A stranger walks in their large large gathering. Who is this? What's this about? Nothing shiny or special. At first, he doesn't seem like much, but that changes. He holds up the scriptures and he reads them and they come to life. the The guy that's in there, he restores and he redeems this possessed man. He sets him free. He takes hold of a fevering woman who might be dying and he raises her up. And with a powerful word and a loving touch, he heals and brings freedom to an entire community, saying, Come on, this is what I came to do. And then he leaves. Like that. Was he real? What just happened? When you get home and you hold the Bible, find yours. The one that was given to you when you were a kid, when you were a teenager, when you are an adult. Find your Bible and hold on to it. And when you hold on to that, I want you to think to your mind and remember today's message. This is a gift. This story, this good news, it is real and it happened. Jesus, the Son of God, our Savior, our Lord, our Friend, He came to that synagogue. He comes to our synagogue, and He comes to it as we hear His word, as we receive His sacrament. This is real. He comes to our homes. He wants to come to our homes. He wants to bring healing to our lives. He wants to bring healing to our homes, to our wounded places. That is real. He wants to meet all that we bring to Him. He wants us to bring the whole community to Him. Come on, bring them. So He can meet them with love and power and restore them, give them hope, set them free. People of God, we are called, having heard this story, to respond in ways that were given to us in the message itself, the way the city responded. The city and the people responded by welcoming God into their church and their synagogue. The city responded by welcoming Him to their home. And the city responded by bringing their loved ones and their needed to Him. The city responded by searching afterwards. And then we're to respond like the lady. When she was healed, the natural, beautiful thing that she could do, the only thing she could do, was to go on and serve. That's what she was made to do. That's who she's made to be. That's who we all are made to be, to serve. And then like that community, bring them. One at a time. Carry them if we have to. Kick them and scream them if necessary. Bring them to where they hear God's word and receive God's presence in the sacraments and they can have their life brought back. That phrase we've had in the beginning, know Jesus and make him known. God help us be a church that knows him. Knows him wonderfully, beautifully, set free. God help us be a church that makes him known. It's real. And it has happened. Amen. Invite you to stand. We will sing a hymn of the day.